You're listening to the Golden Edge Podcast, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. Here's your hosts, David Shane and Ben Goats. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review-Journal talks about hockey for now, I guess. Uh, I am Ben Goats, one of your Review-Journal Golden Knights beat writers, joined on the other line, as always, by my colleague, David Shane. Dave? How are you doing this fine Tuesday afternoon? I am uh, confused, upside down, not really sure how to make sense of anything that's going on in the uh, local hockey world right now. So, I don't know. Maybe it's fitting with this goofy weather we're having, right? Right, yeah. We got wind swirling outside. It's like the storms of anger have been summoned to the Las Vegas Valley, or at least Henderson, uh, where I'm living. Um, And yeah. It seems appropriate because my head is still spinning, too, from the uh, events that we witnessed yesterday and that the two of us tried to work out afterward kind of in the little press workroom area. And we're still kind of trying to work out uh, today, both amongst ourselves, other media members and even the uh, Knights personnel themselves. So we'll see if we can work out a little bit of what the heck just happened on this podcast here today, because, of course, we're going to talk about. Uh, the Golden Knights' last game against the New Jersey Devils, where that leaves them in terms of the playoff picture, what they need to do going forward, and uh, some interesting decisions both in the short term, which is actually probably not so interesting in the short term, uh, but definitely an interesting long-term decision that they may now have to make uh, at one position, a uh, goaltender, spoiler alert. Uh, we're going to have to dive into all of that on this week's episode. But before we get to all that, just a reminder that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. We are also presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. And we're going to have a kind of written breakdown of a lot of things that we're talking about in terms of the playoff picture up on the website uh, today, hopefully, or you know tomorrow if you guys are listening to this on Wednesday. Uh, we are also presented by Blue Wire. And if you guys can rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. We also dropped a special episode for you guys uh, yesterday with Golden Knights defenseman Ben Hutton. We did a like half-hour interview with him. He was fantastic talking about all sorts of stuff, like how he came to the Knights, what the adjustment process was like joining a team midseason. We got the inside story on how that infamous uh, Barbie girl lip sync video of his uh, came about, and uh, at the end of the podcast, one of my favorite parts, he revealed what he thought was his greatest weakness, which I think was very interesting, and I think people will enjoy. So please check that out, as well as the rest of our podcasts. But without further ado, we have to get to what happened at T-Mobile Arena last night, and that was New Jersey 3, Knights 2. Knights have, you know, that was their, kind of one of their final Games left in the regular season. They now have uh, five left. They had six left before puck drop last night, needing almost every one of those games in order to get into the postseason. And they lost to a team that entered the game with the fifth fewest points in the NHL uh, to a goaltender in Andrew Hammond, a.k.a. the Hamburglar, whose goals against average was nearly four before that game. Dave, what was that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, other than like, I put it out there on Twitter. 
I mean, I think that's the worst loss in franchise history. I, I can't think of a worse one. And okay, I get that it's a little bit of semantics and sort of how you define worst or a bad loss or something like that. And I know everybody went after me about the Sharks game and game seven and all that. Like, so let me explain. That to me is not a bad loss. That was a 50 minute brilliant performance, bad call by a referee, fell apart on the penalty kill. And then this is what everybody seems to forget. Like they tied the game. They got it to overtime. They had chances to win. They lost on a clean goal by Barkley Udro. Like that's not a bad loss. That's a kick in the, in the yaw bowls or, you know, like I'm not sure what um, phrase I can use, you know, whatever, but like, that's a gut punch. That's a disappointing loss. It's an absolutely just, you know, heartbreaking, but it's not a bad loss. The one last night is just terrible. When you put everything into the context of, of sort of what you talked about, you know, Andrew Hammond and, and being a journeyman, where he hadn't won since March 3rd. He's on his third team this year. You know, the Knights are at home. They've got basically their playoff lives on the line. They never led against a team 27th in the league that – Braden McNabb said they were, I think, freewheeling was the phrase that he used. Like, I'll use cherry picking, you know, like they they just they had no interest in playing that game like it meant anything. And all the Knights did was shoot wide, you know, shoot it into a devil's defender or shoot it into Andrew Hammond. So, yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, when you figure everything that was at stake, everything on the line. And then this too, here's the other thing is this is potentially some long-term ramifications to this loss. If they don't make the playoffs and heads roll, um, yeah, I think people will view this loss in a much different lens and with the context that points to that being a turning point in the franchise potentially. I'm not saying it will happen, but if it does, then, then yeah, I think we point to that loss. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's so many things that you said there that I want to get to and that I absolutely kind of agree with. I mean, to your point, yeah, like they played an excellent, excellent hockey game in that game seven in San Jose, kind of a textbook road uh, game seven. And then obviously one of the potentially worst breaks in NHL playoff history happened and they still fight back, uh, tie the game and then lose in overtime. And so in terms of worst, like you said, it's semantical how you define it. But uh, the Knights played well that game. They gave an excellent effort that game. They were resilient despite a very bad thing happening to them to where they're still in that game uh, much, much later than the bad call. Whereas, like you said, they've never even led last night against a bad team, against a team that was not playing like structured, disciplined Hockey, it was one thing, um, and we haven't recorded this in a week, so this also happened since we last talked, but Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers, they lose 4 nothing, and while that's disappointing, especially a disappointing result because they just can't afford too many losses, you know, I think both of us kind of sitting at home were like, you know what, the Oilers played a whale of a game on their home ice. That was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from Edmonton in terms of how they took away the middle of the ice from the Knights. Now, some of that is obviously on 
the Knights themselves, but it was a really strong performance from the Oilers where they were able to win a lot more with kind of tight checking and defense as opposed to just like McDavid and Dreisaitl went nuts. Instead, actually, McDavid and Dreisaitl were held without a point. Uh, that is much different from kind of a team-wide you know, effort and systems perspective than what we saw from the Devils last night, which, as you said, it seemed like every single time that the Devils were able to kind of semi-recover a puck in their defensive zone, their wingers were flying out of there. They were just not even pretending to kind of care about staying, you know, connected and kind of together and all these kind of buzzwords we hear from teams when they're describing kind of how they want to be, you know, disciplined and structured five on five was not the devils. They gave up a ton of scoring chances to the Knights that the Knights couldn't capitalize on because as you said, they shop uh, wide or high of the net 23 different times. The Knights did. The Devils also blocked 24 shots last night. So there's a lot of attempts from the Knights that did not even get close to Hammond. And then the Devils were actually very good in the offensive zone and forced the Knights into some bad turnovers and bad passes. And that's something that you were not expecting to see from the Knights. This kind of veteran, almost wholly intact blue line that they have minus Nick Hague with a experienced goaltender, which we'll get to in a second, but that was surprising that the Devils were so good at that end of the ice. And obviously just kind of the bottom line is this was a performance that this team could not have against that team in that spot where you look at the Knights remaining schedule and we'll get into what they probably have to do over it in order to give themselves even kind of a chance at the playoffs at this point. But uh, the game against the Devils was supposed to be one that they had to have or needed to have in the bank two points so that they could kind of keep the playoff race at least tight. They wouldn't have been able to jump into a playoff spot with a win against the Devils, but they needed it to kind of keep pace with these other teams. And they didn't get it. And so, I don't know. It's just tough to, you know, think about what this could potentially mean down the road, Dave, because if they can lose this game, it's hard to project them remaining competitive in a lot of these remaining games. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, you look at like Washington, obviously a good team still potentially playing for like some seating, still, you know, something on the line. And then, you know, like the two, especially, I think that you look at, if you're trying to like dupe this out and figure out the math and what do the Knights need to do and all that, like, the Dallas game is looming huge. And then St. Louis to end the season. Like if St. Louis has anything to play for, you know, with like seating with Minnesota and all that, that's a, that's a very tough game again. So like, you know, you, you looked at it and again, we talked about before, you know, kind of this, this last, it was like a seven or eight game segment and what, what they needed to do and all of that. And, you know, you lose a game like New Jersey, which you pencil in as a win. And now all of a sudden, I mean, I, I pretty much, I think I agree with Pete DeBoer. Like, they got to win them all out. They got to win out. They got to win them all. And they got to hope that L.A. somehow hits a slide. You know, that Anaheim, you know, gives them some help, beats them a couple times, like whatever it is. Or this is the other thing, too. Like, let's not discount Vancouver. And I think, if I'm right, L.A. plays Vancouver the last game of the season. So maybe if you're the Knights, you 
hope that you're far enough ahead of Vancouver at that point that maybe Vancouver can take out LA. Who knows? But you know, it, it, it does, it just changes the whole math and the metrics of everything here for the last five games by losing that, that one last night. Yeah, and you mentioned Vancouver. It actually opens the door for the Canucks uh, tonight as we're recording this because we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, the Canucks with a win over the Senators would actually jump the Knights in the standings. They would be a point ahead uh, with an even number of games played. So the Knights wouldn't even be the first team out potentially if the Canucks are able to win tonight, which further complicates their remaining kind of path to the postseason. Um, before we break down that playoff picture a little bit further, you've already kind of hinted uh, where the Knights kind of need to go from here, Dave. Let's talk about, I think, the goalie decision, which is one that I think I had a lot of people chattering last night and certainly had Pete DeBoer saying some interesting comments after the game. Uh, DeBoer went with Robin Leonard instead of Logan Thompson in goal against the Devils. Uh, so we talked about DeBoer kind of having an interesting goalie decision on his hands last week heading into the Calgary game because the Knights were coming off an overtime loss in Vancouver in which Robin Leonard did not play very well. And so it was interesting to see whether they are going to kind of trust their veteran goaltender coming off a couple injuries, whether he was going to be able to right the ship or whether you go with the younger rookie who's played very well his first season in the NHL and ultimately DeBoer decided to go with Thompson, who's from Calgary, had a nice appearance in his hometown uh, building and played extremely well. And the Knights played one of their best games this season in front of him, and they won against a very good Calgary team uh, in Scotiabank Saddledome. And so then I think that kind of made the decision pretty easy for Pete DeBoer to go with Thompson again Saturday against Edmonton. Also, to mention the fact that Robin Leonard actually left the road trip on Friday because of a family health situation, but you would have to imagine coming off a win. That was probably Thompson's net. Anyway, uh, Thompson doesn't play great against the Oilers. Obviously not his fault that they lost that game because the Knights didn't score a goal, but you know, two, the first two Edmonton goals were from pretty far out. I'm sure Thompson would say he would like those back. And so that creates an interesting dilemma heading into Monday's game of, do you go right back to the rookie who's played well, or do you, look at New Jersey and maybe obviously not just look at them, but potentially overlook them and say, this is a spot where we can try to get our, you know, veteran number one guy kind of back on the saddle a little bit here. And, you know, that's the way they decided to go. And it did not go well, or Leonard gave up three goals on 28 shots faced. He is a two, two and one with, I believe an 889 save percentage, which is not good. Since coming back from his lower body injury, prior to that, he had an upper body injury that he was coming back from. Um, clearly, I don't think looks like himself and did not get the job done uh, yesterday. But Dave, what did you make of Pete DeBoer's decision to go that route rather than go to Thompson for a third straight time yesterday? So as far as the decision to go with Leonard last night against the Devils, I don't have a problem with it. I actually probably would have done the same thing if I was in Pete DeBoer's shoes. The thing is, is like, you know, in the locker room and all, like you've committed to Robin Leonard. You've signed him to the contract. You traded away Marc-Andre Fleury. You made him the starter. Like you have to give him the chance to be the first choice guy, the number one guy down the stretch here when they need him the most. So had it been different in Edmonton, 
had Thompson won that game, then I think Pete DeBoer has a real dilemma on his hands and a real, you know, question as far as who goes, you know, against the Devils. I don't think it was that hard of a choice last night. Like you said, though, it blew up in their face. Unfortunately, it didn't work. And there might be some long-term ramifications to it because I'm not sure how you come back from that if you're Robin Leonard. Like, they gave you a chance. You got one of the worst teams in the league, and you bobble a puck for a rebound for the go-ahead goal. And then on the goal that ends up being the game winner, like, he didn't even move. He was literally frozen. I don't know if he lost sight of the puck, if he didn't think Boquist was going to shoot it, or, or I, I don't know. But he looked. He did the Kirk McLean stand-up goalie thing and never even moved. I'm not sure with that locker room, with the culture of this organization and needing to perform and what happens when you don't, I'm not sure how Robin Leonard comes back from that. I'm not sure how Pete DeBoer, you know, down the stretch can, can say, okay, we trust Robin, Robin Leonard right now to win a must-win game. And if you can't trust him and if the players in the locker room, you know, have, have you know, lost some trust in him as far as whether he can, you know, win a game at an important time, then I, I'm not sure. I don't know how I don't know how you show up in the fall and just put all of this behind you. It doesn't seem that easy to me. You know, now, again, the other problem is like, what do you do from there? I'm not sure that there's anybody better available. Like, I don't know how the Knights can upgrade. I still don't think Logan Thompson is, is ready to be a number one. So it's, it's, a, it's such a weird dilemma that they've, that they've painted themselves into with all this, you know, going all the way back to 2020 when they made the decision to acquire Leonard in the first place. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, depending on how the last five games go, we'll have plenty of time to kind of break down the full decision tree that got them here. Um, but the one thing that I have to say about the decision last night that intrigues me, and we don't know this, I agree with you, based on the information that we had available to us at the morning skate, I wasn't like first guessing, you know, the fact that it looked like Robin Leonard was going to be the starter last night. I mean, Leonard was the first goalie off the ice. It was pretty clear what was going to happen there. And I didn't, you know, have an immediate like, oh, they can't do that kind of reaction. I think Logan Thompson has been very good. But as you said, if you've committed to Robin Leonard as like your number one goaltender, and obviously he's a guy who's been an extremely successful NHL goaltender in the past, he's been a Vezina finalist. You know, if you think, hey, we still have a chance to go on any sort of a run here, and if the guy that gives us the best chance to do that is the guy with that kind of track record of success, I mean, I get trying to get him back in there and seeing if he's got enough in the tank right now to get you where you want to go. The interesting thing for me, and like I said, we don't know this from kind of the outside looking in, is Pete DeVore probably has a better idea than us what Leonard actually has in the tank right now. And you, know, you mentioned that third goal, which I agree, I have no idea what kind of happened there. 
But to me, the interesting one was the second goal where Leonard reaches up with his glove hand and tries to kind of catch a puck that's fired from a good distance away, doesn't squeeze it. It drops in front of him. There's a huge scramble for the rebound. Devils end up winning it. Devils end up putting it in. They go ahead uh, 2-1 in the third period. Uh, Leonard's glove side is the side that he got hit with that puck uh, at practice not so long ago, where we did a whole podcast right afterward, and he ended up being fine. He didn't play the next two games, but he you know, didn't delay his return to the lineup too, too much. But I think you know that incident at practice, and I feel like the play last night on that second goal gives us a good indication that you know Leonard is still probably not right in his upper body. I mean, there, believe Frank Cervalli did a face-off reported that like you know the upper body injury was a shoulder injury, and so there was plenty of evidence last night to be like he his shoulder might not be right and might not be good enough where he can play at a high enough level to get this team where it wants to go. And that's like the interesting thing that I think you can go back and first guess of like, were they trying to squeeze more out of Robin Leonard than maybe he had to give um, at this point, because he's trying to, I think pretty clearly play through multiple injuries and it's just not going yeah, I mean, I could see that. I mean, I guess the counter to that is like, you know, if you're not healthy, if you're, you know, then you shouldn't be available. You shouldn't be suiting up. Like, you know, if you're injured, you should be out. You shouldn't be, you know, potentially hurting your team or whatever. I, I, I mean, I think you make a good point, though, that, that we don't know. You know, we don't know the severity. We don't know how he's feeling. We don't know if, you know how much he's fighting through something, playing through something versus like, you know, okay, it actually feels all right. I, I mean, there's, there's upper body, there's lower body, there's, you know, confidence issues potentially. There's like, you know, there's like so many different things going on with, with Robin Leonard right now. I, and yeah, I mean, I think I still feel like even with all of that, it was the right decision that you have to go with him. But Boy, oh boy! I mean, you know, now you're you're basically you're riding the guy who was the third string goaltender at the start of the year, and you know, hoping he can get you to the promised land. And I, you know, I mean, that's a t- that's a tough ask for Logan Thompson. Like, I mean, if he's Jordan Bennington 2.0, you know, so be it. But if I mean, if he's the Hamburglar, since we were talking about Andrew Hammond, like, let's talk about Andrew Hammond. Andrew Hammond, 2015, went 20. 20- one and two for the senators down the stretch after robin leonard went out with a concussion and i'll just tell this quick story uh, i'm writing about this for the review journal you can check it out reviewjournal.com but eventually like essentially that run the hamburglar run cost robin leonard his job in ottawa and boy would it be ironic if monday's game is the one that ultimately you know seals robin leonard's fate here in vegas as well yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether we see Leonard again this season. Obviously, you would expect um, it probably, definitely not uh, tomorrow against Washington. Probably not, obviously, Sunday against the Sharks either. The Knights do have one back-to-back in their final five games. They're at Dallas on the 26th, and then they're in Chicago on the 27th. 
And when we get to that point, if the Knights uh, have not been eliminated, which there is a chance that they will not you know, be mathematically out of it at that point, that's going to be a real interesting decision uh, for Pete DeBoer. Um, but let's get into that math a little bit more now, because as you mentioned, the Knights have five games left and they need to probably win out just to give themselves a chance. Now, even winning out at this point is not a guarantee that they will get in. There are four playoff spots still available currently in the Western Conference. Uh, for now, Edmonton likely will have one wrapped up uh, before long. But the spots available are the second and third uh, place spots in the Pacific Division, Calgary, uh is in first right now and is like is going to win the division most likely. And then of course there are the two wild card spots. Um, I say likely just because you know obviously standings can change a little bit. Like some of this stuff hasn't been mathematically locked up yet, but this is the way that it's almost certainly headed. And so here's what I want to point out in terms of what the Knights kind of elimination numbers are. I think a lot of people know about magic numbers in terms of teams making the postseason, but here are kind of what it would take for the Knights to get eliminated. Uh, the key one in the wild card race to know is it's basically uh, seven points. The Knights have 87 points right now. The maximum they can get to is 97. Now in the wild card race, Nashville and Dallas both have 91. They both have a game in hand on the Knights, which means they have uh, six games remaining for a possible kind of pie leftover of 12 points for them to get to up to 103. So basically if Nashville uh, and Dallas get seven points from their remaining six games, which would mean them them going three, two and one or better, uh, the Knights cannot catch them no matter what. So that is the best case scenario for the Knights right now. So obviously if the Knights drop any more points and make things even easier on those two teams, it really starts to get dicey whether they're going to catch them. Uh, As I mentioned, the Knights do travel to the Stars uh, next week, and that is going to become a huge game where basically the Knights have to win that in regulation to, uh, you would think, give themselves um, any chance to catch Dallas. So like I said, those... um, Two elimination numbers are seven points in terms of the combination of the points that the Stars and Predators earn the rest of the season, um, plus the points that the Knights drop the rest of the way. Um, if that, you know, adding those two numbers up gets to seven, the Knights cannot catch the Predators or the Stars. Uh, the elimination number against the Oilers is uh, just, I believe, uh, it basically is four points. Uh, if the Oilers win two of their last six games, The Knights cannot catch them. If the Knights uh, lose one game, then the Oilers just need to win one of their last six. So Edmonton's pretty much gone out of the picture. Uh, The kind of more interesting one and the one to still probably have circled is the Los Angeles Kings, currently third place in the Pacific Division. They have 90 points with five games remaining so they can get to a maximum of 100. If they go four and one, their final five games, the Knights cannot catch them. Uh, if the Knights lose another game, the Kings only have to go three and two their final five games. Uh, and as you mentioned, Dave, the Kings have a very favorable schedule the rest of the way. They play uh, exclusively non-playoff teams, though their last game is against Vancouver, who 
is still alive in the playoff chase. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I may leapfrog the Knights in the playoff chase tonight. But uh, the Kings, as we're recording this, have Anaheim tonight. Then they host Chicago and then play Anaheim this time at home. And they wrap up with Seattle and Vancouver. So not exactly a daunting slate for the Kings. And if they win four of them, they're in no matter what. Uh, So that's kind of the picture as things stand right now. Um, Like I said, not looking particularly rosy for the Knights already. Obviously going to get even less rosy if they win or lose even one more game. And they have a fairly difficult slate remaining with, uh, you mentioned the Capitals come to town uh, tomorrow night. They're already in town, but the Knights will be playing them tomorrow night. Washington still technically can catch Pittsburgh in the division. So Washington technically has something still to play for. Uh, Dallas, when the Knights travel to there, will have absolutely things still to play for. Uh, And we'll see whether St. Louis, that last game of the regular season, whether that means anything to the Blues at that point. They're jockeying with the Minnesota Wild for seeding right now because those two teams are almost certainly going to play each other in the first round as the second and third place finishers in the Central Division. But who has home ice in that series? has still yet to be determined. Uh, as we're recording this, the Blues have a one-point lead on the Wild, but Minnesota has a game in hand, and they're currently uh, playing and beating the Montreal Canadiens. So that you know could end up flip-flopping a couple times, and we'll see whether the Blues you know still have to hunt it against the Golden Knights next week. Uh, that's the situation, Dave, and we've talked to... Uh, you know, obviously some people on the nights today, Pete DeBoer, Max Pacioretty, Ray McNabb, uh, they all at least verbally uh, espouse confidence that they can get this done. They can go on a run here and give themselves a chance. The team does have two five-game winning streaks uh, this season. Were you buying what they were selling today? Do you think this team has one last great run in it to at least make things interesting down the stretch here. I want to believe them. Like there's part of me that looks at this and still sees LA and says they have to go, you know, LA has got to still go four and one or whatever. Like, you know, we talked about this on the podcast last time about, you know, the Knights and the lead that they had last year over Colorado with, I, you know, it was like eight games or something, whatever it was. And, seemed pretty insurmountable at that time when you looked at the schedule and just the way that they were playing. And we all know, you know, what happened that eventually the Avalanche were able to catch the Knights. They tied in points, but Colorado ended up winning that tiebreaker. So like, there's a large part of me that's looking at this going, yeah, it's still possible. It's still there. Like, you know, I'm not even as much as, you know, I said, yeah, I agree with Pete DeBoer. They have to run the table. Like I, I, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe even four and one gets them there if LA stumbles. Like, I don't think it's completely out of the question. But th- I just, as much as I want to believe it and like have faith in them, and like oh, they haven't given anybody any reason all year to to really back them to believe them that way. They've they've been inconsistent and just it felt like they were saying the right things. But even Max Pacioretty and Brady McNabb and I mean, to some extent, I think even Pete DeBoer were having a hard time really believing what they were saying. It just it just feels like there's just something off, whether, you know, whether it's the goaltending, whether it's, you know, the, the line chemistry, like like Max Pacioretty seemed to allude to, 
Uh, you know, it, it just feels like they need to put their best game together to get this done. And really at no point this season have they put their best game together. Like, I, I mean, I, I think if you're a Knights fan, you, you hope maybe if Logan Thompson is the goaltender going forward, that maybe he provides some kind of psychological spark, uh, as, you know, in addition to what he can do between the pipes. Um, I think you hope that, you know, the guys that have come back that are, you know, maybe getting a little more healthy, Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, that they start finding some offense. Um, like it, it feels like on paper and all these things, like you can make an argument, you know, you can, you can convince yourself of it, but I, I just, I kind of feel like I, I need to see it to believe it. And I haven't seen it from them all year. And, you know, I, I hate to like take one game and, and sort of, you know, use that as, as what, what's the word? Like a referendum, uh, you know, against the team. But like, if they can't even beat New Jersey, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how much faith I can really have in them. Yeah. And it's not just obviously that New Jersey game, though. I think that is kind of, um, as we're kind of talking right now, kind of the, the, the cherry on top of what's been uh, a not great Sunday. But this has kind of been going back a while too, which is something I'm, you know, struggling with. I mean, obviously, you know, including that road trip that they just went on in Canada, they're one, two, and one in their last four. And going back all the way to the All Star break, which at the All Star break, um, and I, you know, kind of led off with this in my story, kind of breaking down the playoff picture today. Like All Star break, the Knights are hosting, you know, the skills competition and the All Star game at T Mobile Arena. You've got Mark Stone there. At shooting pucks at the Bellagio Fountain. You got Alex Petrangelo winning the breakaway challenge. Jonathan Marcheseau is hopping off a plane from Mexico to participate. Pete DeBoer is kind of having the, the time of his life, schmoozing it up with people as the Pacific Division coach. And since then, this team has just played very poor hockey for months now. I mean, they are 23rd in the NHL in points since the All-Star break. This has not been a team that's been playing well for a while and they have gone on runs recently like i said they uh won five in a row not that long ago uh starting march 24th all the way to i believe it was uh april 3rd against the vancouver canucks that overtime game in vancouver and then they came home and lost uh to the canucks on the sixth but um like you said it's just hard to imagine this team gearing themselves up for another run Right now, um, you brought up Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. We didn't really get into them, but they just haven't looked like themselves since coming back from injury. And if the Knights aren't getting a lot from uh, those two guys, and as you said, now there's going to be question marks in net the rest of the way. I don't know. It's hard to see. Um, I think the interesting part of this, because you brought up uh, the Kings, and I don't think the Kings are any great team either or a team even before Last night, I thought the Knights should necessarily be scared of to kind of be in a chase with. But uh, right now, I think the Knights' kind of greatest enemy, more so than the teams they're fighting in the standings, and more so even than the games kind of they have remaining, uh, is themselves. Because they did not play a good game last night against New Jersey, and they did not play a particularly good game uh, in Vancouver, their last previous road trip. I don't think they were awful um, in Edmonton, but the Oilers were just better. And so instead of they kind of keep 
going the way that they kind of have appeared to be going the last week, uh, it's not going to really matter kind of what other teams are doing or what help they're getting or anything like that, which I think is going to be an interesting close to the season then for them potentially if this is how it kind of ends up going down is that uh, ultimately it's not going to be, you know, the schedule or the teams that they're chasing that determine their fate. There's a good chance if they don't get on a run here that they're going to be the ones that ultimately are kind of the authors of their ultimate playoff destiny. Yeah, their own, you know, maybe playoff failure, I guess, if they don't get there. I mean, I think Jonathan Marcheseau even, you know, mentioned that, you know, after the game last night about, you know, it's not it's not Hannity. Like, you don't just, like, get an invitation to the dance and then just show up. Like, you got to earn your way there, you know? I mean, a few years ago, I don't – I think it – you know, what was it? Maybe I think that 2000 – 17, 18, 16, 17, like the, the lightning missed the playoffs, you know, like it happens. You, you get some injuries, you get what, you know, I mean, that was like a budding powerhouse team, you know, missed the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, you know, obviously they, they got things straightened out and they've been, you know, the best team in the league the last, you know, handful of years. I think certainly since like even the Knights, you know, came around, but like, yeah, I, I mean, I, again, like I just, I just feel like there has to be, some kind of proof, some kind of urgency. Like we keep seeing these third periods, you know, where they're, you know, one goal down or they're tied. And then, you know, they give up that first goal in the third period and, and, and just seem to kind of cave in. Um, there's just all these different examples and, and all of that. But yeah, I, I, if they, if they don't make it, I will, I will be absolutely fascinated to see sort of the repercussions of it and who takes the fall. Like this team has, set precedent before, you know, whether it's Marc-Andre Fleury or Gerard Glant or, you know, other players, like whatever it is, you know, you don't perform, you're out. And I think that goes for, you know, managers, coaches, players, and, and everybody else. So it, if they don't make it, and, and again, like, yeah, they this is kind of their own doing because they could go 5-0 and and it, and it might not be enough because of, because of what happened earlier, but I, I just, I feel like if, if they don't make it, if something were to prevent them from, you know, playing in the playoffs, there, there is going to be hell to pay. Like, I just don't see how Bill Foley doesn't do something. Like, there's no way he's just going to sit back with his feet up and go, yeah, we had a bunch of guys injured. Let's just run it back. Like, no way. No, absolutely. Uh, obviously we would discuss kind of what those changes uh, might be or what they could look like uh, if and when the Knights do eventually get eliminated, but they are still obviously alive as we are recording right now. And there is still at least some hope at City National Arena that they can go on a run and kind of rescue this season. We'll see if they're able to do that. We'll record uh, next week for you guys. And I think we'll have a lot better judge of uh, exactly where this season is going. And maybe we'll have a, uh, an official word at that point, uh, how this season is going to end up. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. As a reminder, we are sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Uh, we are also presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, and if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. As a reminder, we came out with a bonus episode on Monday with Golden Age defenseman Ben Hutton. 
He was a lot of fun to talk to. It was really interesting getting to know him a little bit better. And I think you guys will enjoy that conversation as well. Uh, but for now, that's it. I'm Ben Goats. He's David Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. Talk to you guys again real soon. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today.